Welcome to Central Assembly's podcast. Here is a message from our lead pastor, Kurt Jenkins. We pray this message speaks to you. Well, like I mentioned uh, last week, uh, we talked about Jesus being closely associated with the Old Testament God because Jesus, that word Jesus, uh, that comes from Joseph, means Yahweh is salvation or the Lord saves. Can you say the Lord saves? So that his very, the essence of his name means that he is salvation. So what happened is God put on a body, he received the name Jesus, and he brought salvation to the earth for all of our needs. So today what I want to look at is using the name of Jesus. It's how Jesus taught us to pray, how he taught us to interact, how he taught us to minister, and using in prayer, commands, decrees, declarations, all those things that are found throughout the New Testament. Now that phrase, in Jesus' name, you say, in Jesus' name. This is not a magical formula that we're supposed to just add to the end of every single one of our prayers without thinking about it. Sometimes we've turned it into like we're writing a letter to God. Dear Heavenly Father, give me a good day today. And da 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 In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Any of you else do that? Like I get caught in that in my life sometimes where you're praying, 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 and the automatic thing that you've just learned to do since a child if you were raised in church or if you weren't raised in church and you've heard us pray uh, or other people pray that way, you just think, this is, this is like, this, was it called the salutation? This is how I sign off. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. But the Lord actually has very clear instruction and illustration throughout his teaching of the disciples of the power of using the name of Jesus. If we just retract from last week, if we're growing in faith and belief that Jesus is the name above every other name, and if every knee will bow to Jesus and every tongue one day will confess that he is Lord. Now, anytime, if we understand that and we're catching a revelation of that, we're growing in that, then we would say, okay, anytime Jesus is telling us to use that name, it must be because something significant should be happening. Or Jesus would say, listen, my name is too powerful. My name is too holy. My name is too high for you to use. If it was supposed to be that way, he would say, just just back off. Just pray to God, the master, God, the creator. But he's saying, no, when you pray to the father, use my name. So what he's doing is Jesus, throughout, throughout his ministry, later on in his ministry, he's teaching his disciples a lifestyle of what life is like in the kingdom of God. So he begins to teach them how to communicate, and once he leaves, how they are to communicate to the Father and how that would lead to prayers being answered. So an illustration that the Lord brought to my mind is my children and s'mores. It's a, it's a, a summer favorite in our house. So this is just, just an illustration. If one of my kids uh, would come down the steps, let's say they're all upstairs and I'm down in the family room, they would come down the steps and say, hey, Dad, can we have a campfire and s'mores tonight? And I would begin to think about the answer for that. Now, in my mind, I would want a campfire and s'mores because I like campfires and I really, really like s'mores. And I eat too many when we have campfires and s'mores. But Cherise is the one who oversees or has full authority over the groceries, okay? I don't because I don't go grocery shopping. So if one of my kids would come downstairs and say, hey, can we have a campfire and and s'mores tonight? I would know that we own these materials. I would know that all of the products that would need to be made into a s'more is in the house. But I don't know if Sharice is intending on it to be used tonight. 
or for another family to come over or for a special event. So though in the house, I have full authority to be able to say, yes, we can do it. I would probably say, what did your mother say? <laughs> right? I know these are in the basement. I know where the lighter is. I know where the wood is. And I'm hoping mom said yes. But because Sharice and I are in equal partnership, and I know that she has authority over the groceries and the list, if one of my children said, oh yeah, I already asked mom. She said, it's fine. I'm just checking with you. For me, it's a no-brainer. And I could say, I'm gonna go out, light the fire, and we're gonna have s'mores tonight. So what happens is, is this. I had the authority to say, we're gonna do a campfire and s'mores, but Sharice and I are in co-equal labor, co-equal partnership, and because my children used the name of mom in a request, I knew, I knew that they now had authority to come to me and say, can we have s'mores? And I can say yes. That is praying in the name of Jesus. It's coming to the Father knowing you already have authority because you already got permission to ask for that. You knew it was the will. All right. We're going to do two more illustrations because sometimes this is hard to understand of like, what am I doing? Am I abusing Jesus's name? How do I know when I can use it and when I can't? So hopefully we'll get through some scripture and gain some clarity. Uh, John chapter 14, we're going to bounce around John 14 to John 15 to 1 John. So the, the scriptures will be on the screen. They're from the New International Version. You might see some other uh, words in your specific translation if you read a different Bible. It says in John chapter 14, starting at verse 11, believe me, when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. So there's complete unity, just like May saw in that spiritual vision. There is complete unity. They are equally divine as God the Father and God the Son. So he says, believe in me when I say that I'm in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves. Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing. How do we believe in him? We're saved because we believe in the name of Jesus. So he's saying, if you believe in me, you will do the same works I've been doing. Obviously, we can't do that in our own power. He says, they will do even greater works than these because I am going to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. Like this is astounding, the revelation that, that, the, that the son is bringing about the son and the father, completely united, and how his, how his followers can receive answers to prayer. So when you think about the son and the father, they're not one is weaker and one is stronger. They are completely unified with the Holy Spirit, equal partners, equally divine. And now together, what Jesus is saying is we're going to be able to ask Jesus or the Father for anything, and he will do it. But we have to ask in Jesus' name. And we can't use it as a magical formula. We can't use it as a little, you know, mystical ball. We can't use it as our quarter in the slot machine. We have to use it as a part of faith because we understand that it comes with authority. Now, Jesus is teaching something here. He's saying that you're going to do the same works and even greater works. Now, there is theological debate for centuries about if those greater works means deeper, more significant in quality works, 
or if it's going to be more works in quantity because Jesus went to the Father. So now the Holy Spirit reigns in each one of us. And now we have, you know, trillions or millions, billions of believers across the earth that are doing the works of Jesus. I don't tend to get in that argument because I'm still working on getting to the works of Jesus. If we get to the works, then we can get to the part of the greater works and argue about it then. What I know is this. I'm nothing without Jesus. I'm nothing without the Holy Spirit. I can't accomplish anything without the Father in my life. So Jesus is revealing, if you believe in me, well, yes, we believe in you, then you're gonna do the same works as me. Okay, my mind, my inquisitive mind is gonna say, how do I get to that step then? How can I start to begin to do the works that you're doing? The love, the compassion, not just the power and the miracles. It's the patience that he had, the long suffering that he had, right? The compassion he had on people who were the outcasts, the ones that he went to, those were the works too. Sometimes when we think of works, we're thinking of the miracles and all, all these things that are flashy. How about spending time with the one person who everybody else has pushed aside? That's a work of Jesus. So we're actually supposed to be doing doing these works, completely relying on him. And then he's giving us a key to the kingdom. He's saying, now whatever you ask for in my name, it will be given to you. He's sharing with us a secret about how to communicate from earth to heaven in the form of prayer. Now, you might start getting nervous of like how a preacher could preach this out of context, that I will do whatever you ask in my name, and you may ask me for anything. You teach that to a kid, God, I want 19 puppies in Jesus' name. Right? I just want a house that's three times bigger than mine on a private island, God, in Jesus' name. I don't believe, if you follow the context of Jesus' life, he's saying, ask anything that you desire. I think what he's trying to do is blow the cap off of our faith in the box that we put God in. And he's saying, as you are doing the same works as Jesus, as you're doing on assignment the works that I've done, you're gonna be able to ask for anything and the Father will do it. But you have to ask in my name. So I think it's more of a faith issue. It's more of, of get God out of a box and then we're gonna be able to ask for anything and then that he'll do it. And now we don't just sit there and say, now what do I want and how can I ask God for it? You guys following me? In the next chapter, in John chapter 15, verse 16, it says, Jesus, oh, you know what? And even, even beyond in John chapter 14, he starts to talk about how he gives us an advocate, how he's gonna give the Holy Spirit. So it flows right into this. It's like, well, how are we gonna use your name? You're saying that more works are gonna be done when you go to the Father. He starts to teach them this stuff is gonna be possible because you will have the Holy Spirit inside of you. So we have Father in heaven, we have Jesus on earth, Holy Spirit's going to be in them. Jesus is going to go and ascend to be right next to the Father. Now we're asking, the Father requests in the name of the one who is sitting right at his right-hand side. It's pretty amazing when you can imagine it. So in John 15, 16, Jesus is talking to his disciples and he says, you did not choose me, but I chose and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that would last. Listen, do you know how similar this is to the verses I just read? He's saying, you're gonna do the same works and even greater works. Now, later on, he's saying, listen, this wasn't your idea. This was my idea. I chose you, but I chose you because I appointed you to go and do something, not just hope for the 19 puppies in the mansion on an island. 
saying, I'm appointing you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. A lot of your Bibles will say fruit that will remain. So it will never, uh, it will never uh, die. It will never rot out. This is real lasting fruit in other people's lives because there's fruit being born in your life. So he's saying that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. So watch what happens here. We see this up in John 14. I can ask for whatever I want. I can ask for anything. But then you start to drill down a little bit. And now you see praying to the Father in the name of Jesus is attached to our assignment on earth. So he's saying, as you're bearing fruit, fruit that will last, then you will be able to ask for anything and the Father will give it to you. Do you see the correlation here? As we're praying, it's the assignment that God has given us. Now, obviously, we are supposed to bear the fruit of the Spirit. We're supposed to grow the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. So we are praying for things in our own life. We're praying to be filled up. We're praying for that patience, praying for the love. We're praying for compassion, all that stuff. It's out of the overflow of our lives that we begin to bear fruit in other people's lives through the ministry of Jesus. And it's in that context that says that we will be able to ask for whatever, uh, and he will give it to us when we ask in his name. Now there's another qualifier that explains these last two verses. In, John, in 1 John chapter 5, verse 14, he says this, this is the confidence that we have in approaching God. So there's a, this is a qualifier. We should have ton, a ton of confidence approaching God. He says that if we ask anything, say anything, like here we go again, anything in the whole world, the confidence that we have in approaching God is that if we ask anything according to his will. So the first thing is Jesus. You're gonna do the same works and more works. And as you're doing this, you can ask for anything in my name and it's gonna be given to you. Then it goes down. You're appointed to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. And as you're doing this, you can ask for anything in my name and it'll be given to you. And now in 1 John, the, the, the instruction is that the confidence that we have is that if we ask anything according to the will of the Father, it says he hears us. Then it goes on and says, and if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we will have what we asked of him. So if we're putting these verses together, we can back up and say, I want to find out what the will of the Father is. So then we go back to Scripture. Last week we said we go back to the life of Jesus. If we can find it in Scripture, we can say, okay, this could apply to any believer's life. Now I can go to the Father and ask in the name of Jesus. And because it's according to the will of the Father and because it's in the authority of the name of Jesus that we've been given, we can be confident that he hears us. Now, Let's not get past the difficult gap here to say, wait a minute, I've seen things in scriptures before that I know would apply to my life. And I believe I had the faith to see them. And I went to the father and I'm confident that he heard us, but I didn't have my prayers answered. That's where the mystery of faith lies between us and the father. Are we going to get offended at the father because we didn't experience something in our timeline of life when he sees all of eternity? You know, for me, it's a matter of two things in that. I'm not gonna blame other people and I'm not gonna blame God. So something very, if I'm praying and I'm like, I, I really think I know this is the will of the Lord. Something like you see in red letters, in Jesus, somebody's sick and you're praying, you're like, I, I believe this is the will of the Father. I have faith that he's gonna do it. 
You speak to the sickness. You pray to the Father in Jesus' name. And you feel like you have that authority. You have that faith. And then it doesn't happen. Nothing happens. The very first thing that I've learned to do is, God, I confess that you're a good God. I know that you're a good God. I declare that you're a good God. I'll settle that back in my heart. Then I won't blame anybody else in the situation because I'm the only one that can control how I prayed and what I believe. Then I won't blame myself, but I will try to grow in faith in that area. So you look up more scriptures about it. You try to learn more about it through scripture, right? So you try, and then last thing is, is make sure you don't get offended at God. So you don't blame him, don't blame others, don't blame yourself, grow in faith and don't get offended at the Father. You live in the mystery of the gap between us and the Father. So we're growing in this and we're using what he told us. Ask anything according to his will when he hears us. And Jesus' instructions are when we go to the Father, ask in his name. So what does this mean? Another illustration that we could put. In this country, we have what's called the power of attorney. So if I was a landowner uh, or I owned expensive items or I owned a lot of money and I, didn't want, and I didn't want to handle all of the details of it, what I would do is I would go to the proper authorities and I would sign my name on a sheet of paper that declared I was giving somebody else over to be the power, to have that power of attorney. So on the other side of the table, somebody else that I was giving that authority to take the same pen and they would sign off on it also. Now, this person on this side does not own any of the property. And yet when they walk out of that office, they have full authority to make decisions about that property, about those items, and about that money as if they were the owner. This is what Jesus did for us. He's saying, I have been given full authority of ownership from the Father, He's saying, and I sign my name. And because my name is above every other name, and because you can't do anything on your own, I want you, if you believe in me, I want you to sign this document also. But I'm gonna go to be with the Father and you get to keep this document in your heart. And as you're going around and you're finding things and you're talking to the Father, you're actually speaking to the Father with requests as if you are the landowner as if you had full authority over the inheritance that Jesus has received for us. Does this make sense? So you're going back to the father. Imagine the father sitting next to the son or the son sitting next to the father, we should say. You're going to the father and you're saying, father, I come to you with this request. Of course, my name's Kurt, hello. And you're, 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 you're praying and you're praying and you're saying, in the name of Jesus, I ask all these things in the name of Jesus. So you're actually saying the one who is sitting next to you has given me authority to ask you as if it's him asking you. That's a crazy amount of faith that we could go to the Father with. We're asking this request on behalf of the Father as if the Son himself, the owner of it all, is asking for it. That's what you do when you say, in Jesus' name, when you're going directly to the Father. So how did this happen? In Matthew 28, Jesus is giving us the great commission. Jesus says, he comes to his disciples. And he says, all authority on heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples. Well, what's disciples? That must be what we're appointed to do. We're appointed to go and make fruit. We're appointed to go and do the works of the Father. Are you seeing how this is all connecting together? Yes? So Jesus is saying, listen, the Father has handed me all authority in heaven and on earth. 
I'm going back to heaven. Therefore, you go and make disciples. So where did they give, where did Jesus give humans authority in heaven or on earth? Where did he go? He went back to heaven. He has full authority, but he sent us and appointed us to go and bear fruit to do the same works he did. Where? In heaven or on earth? On earth. So he's actually given us authority to demonstrate the will of the Father here on earth. It's not us. It's not about us. It's not in our power. It's through our brokenness, brokenness and through our humility that we come before the Father and say, I will fail miserably if you don't back me up in here. So I'm praying what I believe is according to your will. And I'm praying according to the authority that the, that the Son has given me. So I'm coming to you, Lord, and I'm asking you in the name of Jesus to do this thing. So let's use an example here. I ran into this uh, chapter a few weeks ago in Psalm 91. Let's say you're reading through the Psalms. You get to Psalm 91. You're at like verse nine. I think I just picked verse nine through 11 here. So it says, if you say the Lord is my refuge and you make my most high your dwelling place and you make the most high your dwelling place, no harm will overtake you. No disaster will come near your tent for he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all of your ways. So let's say you're reading through this that really pierces your heart, tugs on, on one of your heartstrings. So you turn that into a prayer. So you might say something like, Father, will you be my refuge? Will you allow me to dwell within your safety so that no harm will overtake me? God, will you keep me from disaster? Will you protect my family? Will you protect my home, my kids, my grandkids, if that's in your life? I trust that you are gonna command because we're not commanding angels. I trust that you will command your angels concerning me to guard me in all of my ways. And Father, I come to you today asking these things in Jesus' name. You see how you're doing that? You're saying, I am living by faith knowing that I, I, I trust in Jesus. He signed, I signed. Now I'm coming to the Father believing that that is his will for my life. And I'm coming to him now in Jesus' name. You can apply this to any area of life that you're praying to the Father in. You with me? So that's the prayers. I wanna just shift for the last portion of this message to talk about how scripture shows that we can use. The language is different. I don't care what you say, but some people call them commands. Some people call them declarations or decrees. The difference is in the prayer, you are speaking to the Father in the name of Jesus. In a command, a decree, a declaration, whatever word you wanna use, you're actually speaking directly to the problem in the name of Jesus. Okay? So prayer, talking to God in the name of Jesus, as if Jesus was the one requesting it. On the other side, you're speaking directly to your mountain. Remember, Jesus taught us how to do this. You'll say to this mountain, be removed, and it will go into the sea. So Jesus taught us to pray to the Father and also to speak to situations that we believe God would want changed, and you can actually do that in Jesus' name also. So how can we do this? Well, we're ambassadors of Christ, right? In 2 Corinthians 5, 20, it says, we are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. Isn't that amazing? Like God, God the Father, is making his appeal to all of mankind through us, broken vessels. This is amazing. He says, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. This is what we should be doing. As we love people, show compassion, pray for the healing, uh, share faith, all this stuff. We're imploring people on Christ's behalf to be reconciled back to God. 
He says, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So what this means is we are ambassadors representing the kingdom of God here on the kingdom of earth. When Jesus came, he reintroduced us to the kingdom of God. He advanced it while he was here. He gave us authority when he left. So as we walk this earth, we are now representing a kingdom which is somewhere else now superimposed on earth through the Holy Spirit through our lives. You might say to yourself, I am completely inadequate and unqualified to do this. There is no way I could be a mouthpiece for God. I'm here to tell you, I'm sorry, but you're wrong. Scripture says God made him, Jesus, who had no sin to be sin for us. That does apply to you. It says, so that in him, Jesus, we might become the righteousness of God. If you don't believe that, then you can't wear your breastplate in the armor of God. You might not think this is about spiritual warfare, but it is. We talked about going to battle several weeks ago, and we're going to continue through for the next several weeks talking about Jesus, the person of Jesus, the ministry of Jesus, and then this September, we're going into the armor of God. We have, we have everything that we need to annihilate every single strategy of the enemy. Yet if you don't believe that you can be an ambassador for Christ, you don't have the qualifications, the maturity, or enough Bible verses memorized, then stop believing all that and believe that one verse. Jesus, who had no sin, became sin for you. Why? So that you can become the righteousness of God. But I'm not righteous. He is. He is and you're in him. That's why when you put on the breastplate of righteousness in the armor of God, you're not saying, God, today I thank you that my righteousness reigns. No, God, I am reminded once again, my heart would melt without you. And I'm only righteous because of you. So as I walk out and I make mistakes and I try to do the best that I can in life, I will continue to remember I'm the righteousness of God because I am in Christ. That's your breastplate right there in that verse. So in natural kingdoms, last last illustration of the day. In natural kingdoms, a king would send a representative of authority. We'll just call them ambassadors to go from within the kingdom to another place outside of the kingdom to fulfill his decrees, his wills, or his desire as their kingdom is expanding. So two things would happen is the king would write a decree out. And then at the end of that, he would take his ring and he would smash it into a wax seal. Now that that ring, that symbol on there had the full weight and authority that as if the king was there himself. So he smashes into, it a, in, into a wax. I'm not going to get it off now. <laughs> it's mine, don't worry. He smashes it into the wax seal. He seals the decree. And now he sends his ambassador. So let's say the stage was the kingdom of this king. And all this carpet here was a different kingdom. So this, this ambassador, this representative, would actually leave the kingdom. And he would have two things. He would have the name of the king coming out of his mouth, and he would have the seal of the king. Nothing in this document would be worth anything without the name of the king or the seal of the king because anybody can make up any of this document and just come. So as this person comes, they would come into another kingdom and they would say, I am here on behalf of King Philip VI, and I decree 
And because they already used that and the verification of this was that king's seal, his official wax seal, everything coming out of the mouth of that ambassador would be as if the king himself was standing here saying things. This is the authority that God has given us in the name of Jesus. So what is our wax seal? We've already talked about how we can use the name of Jesus. What's our wax seal? Thank you, James. The wax seal is the Holy Spirit. In Ephesians 1, chapter, thir- or chapter 1, verse 13, it says, and you were also included in Christ when you heard the message of truth. Watch this, the gospel of salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him. So you were marked in Christ with a seal. What is that seal? The promised Holy Spirit. Who is the promised Holy Spirit? He's a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the day of redemption to those who are God's possessions, to the praise of his glory. So we actually have the seal of the king in us, and we have the name of Jesus upon our lips. So now when we go into other kingdoms, which is the kingdoms of this world, and we see somebody has an illness, and we say, well, Jesus never gave anyone an illness. In fact, it says God is the God who heals. We can do one of two things. We can pray to the Father that the Holy Spirit would come and heal him because we see that happening, but we can also command that healing to be gone. So we can say, you know, tumor, shrivel up and die in Jesus' name. So he says, well, that's, that's, that's like that, that extreme faith stuff. No, that's not. That's New Testament. You have the Holy Spirit seal of the Father already in you. And Jesus said that you have power to use his name. So when you're saying, tumor, shrivel up and die in Jesus' mighty name, you are saying it as if the Father himself, the King, is saying it. Because you have the seal and you have the name. I'll show you two places in scripture quickly. In Acts chapter 16, it talks about a slave girl who has a demonic spirit in her. So she kept shouting that Paul and his followers were the servant of the most high God. I have no clue why a demonically possessed girl would scream this. It was to distract them, to confuse them, just like the enemy wants to counterfeit in our lives at times. So right, she's trying, they're trying to minister and she's, she's, she's using truth to cause confusion. She's using truth to distract them from their, from their cause. And he says here um, in verse 18, she kept this up for many days. Finally, Paul became so annoyed that he turned around. Watch this. He said to the spirit, capital S or lowercase s, which means that's the demonic spirit. If it's a capital S, it's the Holy Spirit. So he turns around and he says directly to the demonic spirit, in the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. And at that moment, the spirit, lowercase s, left her. This is one of many situations where they're carrying out Jesus' instructions to not only use his name, but also have the ability to speak to a negative circumstance that we believe is the act of the enemy. And now we come in as ambassadors of the Father using our seal and using his name. We don't act like we're anything tough in that situation. I, I, some people like, they feel like they have to scream during it, like work up all this. Listen, I, I've, seen, I've seen people be healed before at go now in Jesus' name. Right, so it's not the volume of your voice. It's the, it's the faith that you actually have that seal and you've been given authority to be his ambassador. So now you have the right and the privilege to use his name. 
The reason why I started Acts 16, because it's obvious that he was speaking directly to his spirit. I want to show you one more example, just two today. In Acts chapter 3, if you flip back there, it's it's the same approach here as in Acts 16. What's happening here is Peter's walking, uh, Peter and John are walking to the temple. They encounter a man that has been lame, unable to walk since birth. And he's asking for money. And Peter says to him, silver or gold, I do not have. So Peter's making a statement. I'm not not saying he didn't have coins. I believe he's making a statement saying, I'm not going to operate as if the world's kingdoms are operating here. I'm going to operate as the kingdom of God would operate. So silver and gold, I do not have, but what I have, I give you. So we can say, well, that was a little bit cocky. No, he was just sure that he had the seal in him. And he actually believed that he had authority to use the name of Jesus. So what I have, I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Why are they using, why is Paul using Christ? And then Peter using Christ of Nazareth. Remember, in those days, there were many people named Jesus. So they're they're signifying Jesus the Christ, the anointed one. Jesus, the anointed one of Nazareth. So they know who is speaking right now. You'll see later on, a few centuries later, it it just is Jesus. They know that anytime you're talking about Jesus, you're talking about Jesus, the son of God. So he's saying, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. So we might say, well, what's he commanding here? Well, he's commanding that man's legs, ankles, feet to be healed. He's commanding that person to walk. And he acts as an act of faith. He grabs the man, grabs his, uh, his wrist or his hand, helps him out, says, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. What we see here, Peter is speaking directly to the issue. He could have prayed to the Father, but he used his delegated authority, the seal within him in the name of Jesus, to speak right to it. And again, this isn't a magic trick. We're in process. So if you're like, well, that hasn't happened. I've done this over and over and over again. I would say this. Make sure you haven't blamed God. Make sure you haven't blamed somebody else or yourself. Make sure you're growing in faith and you're not offended at God. Then you can walk in peace and keep trying and trying and trying. You're working out your salvation with Him. Does that make sense? Don't feel guilty. Keep doing what scriptures are telling us us to do. Maybe go back and say, maybe I haven't realized that I actually am an ambassador, that I've been sealed with the Holy Spirit. Maybe I've never realized that he signed the same document that I signed. Maybe I haven't realized he's actually written the decree and sealed it. And both of these allow us to go in different directions, directly to the problem or to the Father in the name of Jesus. Any area of life, we already have this authority. You have this authority, whether you feel like it or not. Whether you're going through a great time or a difficult time, you still have this authority. If you don't think that you have to conjure up emotion, you can actually be extremely weak before the Father because in your weakness, you're made strong. And you can say, God, I don't know what else to do. But I just ask you to bring me a small ounce of peace. It's all I can ask for right now. Just a little bit of peace in Jesus' name right? So we're not working something up. We're actually believing what his word said. I want you to stand at this time. I don't want you to leave here. We still have a few minutes. What we're going to do today is we're going to close service uh, by having these two sections just come down into this aisle, these, this first row. And go. You're going to come into the same aisle. And you're going to wrap around to the center aisle and you're going to go to the outside aisle to leave. And then these two sections are going to do the same thing. You're going to come into these aisles you're going to come down and then wrap around. There, there'll be in, uh, individuals here and you guys can get in place at this time that simply have buckets. And inside of these buckets, 
are wax seals with a cross on it. And I'm believing that the Lord's gonna do something simple yet powerful when you're handed this today. In fact, I wanna thank uh, Pastor Adam and Joanna who over the last two nights have hand stamped 500 of these things. And he's still playing the keyboard right now. I don't know. <clears throat> but the children in Super Church, they've learned the same topic today and they're gonna receive one of these too. And as these individuals that, that are down here, uh, as you're passing these out, you can go to anyone who's next. They're just gonna say, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. And I'm just believing for some of you who might be struggling to ever use Jesus' name, you might be embarrassed to talk to God that way, that this will just simply be the seal of approval upon your life, not because of something you did, because of everything Jesus did. And he has given you full authority to use the name. So Father, we just pray as we exit today that something simple yet significant will happen. This is so, seems so strange, God. It's a piece of wax in a little baggie. But God, you've used floating ax heads and you've used tongues of fire and you've used other symbols to prophetically declare that something significant and supernatural is happening. So these are wax and they're circles and it has a picture of a cross and a bag, God. But I do ask in Jesus' name that these would be sanctified now. That God, as they sit near a place where we read the Bible, if they sit near a place uh, where we pray, actually, I'll pause my prayer for right now. Don't keep these in their car. When it's really hot, they'll melt. Back into prayer. Father, uh, we do just ask that every time we look at this, we are reminded of the seal of the Holy Spirit, the authorization, the full power of attorney the full uh, authority of an ambassador has been given to us to use your name and to pray according to your will, to make commands, decrees, and de declarations according to your will. And we pray that that would happen in our hearts as this touches our hand. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us. Be sure to check us out on the web at centralconnect.org.